Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dunham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. If you're new here, I'm Helen Denham. I'm a mindset mentor for women. I really help women heal at a subconscious level first and foremost so that they can initiate radical change from a place of peace and ultimately create a life that feels like heaven on earth. We have another amazing guest joining us today. We have Joel Cross here. We're talking about heart coherence, releasing attachment to outcomes, getting into flow state, and so much more. So Joel is a truly gifted, accomplished, Grammy-nominated musician who has married his passion for music with the healing world and mindfulness. He uses music, poetry, and meditation as tools to guide his community back to inner peace and self-discovery. And his ultimate goal is really around helping people read discover their heart space and heal from past traumas so that they can lead happier, more fulfilling lives. He's deeply passionate about creating safe spaces for people to process and heal in these ways. And his teachings are inspired by that. So as always, enjoy this episode. You're going to get so much from this one. And as you're listening and learning, let us know what your takeaways are. You can find Joel on Instagram at a soul called Joel and I'm at Helen Denham underscore. Thank you so much for being here. If you feel lifted by this conversation, feel free, please do leave a review and uh, thank you so much. Talk to you on the flip side. So the first question I love to ask guests is, how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to in the morning? Yeah, certainly. Um, So the day always starts with gratitude before I even get out of bed. It's like open my eyes. I try to connect to all the things I'm thankful for. And then I do my morning ritual is usually my rise journal. Um, what started out as my rise journal and over time rise is kind of a fluid framework that I use. And what I mean is, uh, so the framework is release, like letting go of anything that's in your mind or just any thoughts you have, just kind of clearing your canvas and then inquiring, asking heart questions. Of course, every day I'm asking, how's your heart, but all kinds of heart questions and then listening to that heart space. And then from there, you know, having a conversation just intention or affirmation for the day. So sometimes that's very much in the journal. Other times it's just in seated meditation or as I'm on a walk or out of order throughout the morning as I, depending on what I have going on. Beautiful. I was just about to ask you if Rise stood for something amazing. And I can tell in your work that you really are focusing on um, heart space coherence and connecting through the heart space. What has you focusing particularly on the heart? Hmm. Good question. Um, As I started journaling more um, consistently, anything that was on my mind or that I was struggling with, it's like once I got to the root of beyond you know, the blaming or the judgment, I realized that it was really in my heart space or at the core of who I am. It's like, am I showing up as my authentic self? And if not, what's hindering me? And usually that's hurt, right? Or fear um, connected to a deep trauma. So I stopped kind of asking these questions and do my meditation practice, like detaching from a story, but getting clear about what I actually wanted to create. 
like what I actually was longing for naturally. Like what am I looking for? You know, with if I was in an argument with someone or if I'm in conflict with myself about something, what am I really trying to create? And for me, the root of it is has always been in the heart. So I kind of I just approach things from that vantage point. Love it. Yeah. And and entering those spaces really does require uh, courage and bravery to dig deeper than just kind of the liminal spaces and the thinking mind. So from your journey, what have you been unraveling or what have you had to unravel from the past to clear out some of that density in the heart space, if that makes sense? Oh, so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's not one thing in particular, but I think uh, narrowing, narrowing it down or simplifying it, uh, essentially, um, it's like reconnecting to the stories that I had about my experience, whether it's from early childhood or, you know, as recent as today and like examining, okay, I'm upset about that. I have a fear that developed or a hurt space. What is the story connected to that? Right? So if it's, my parents didn't, you know, connect to me in the way that I wanted to, right? Like really allowing myself to reevaluate those experiences and maybe, you know, step into their shoes a bit and really understand, okay, maybe they don't even have the capacity for that because they've been hurt themselves. And as I started, you know, connecting to the stories themselves, I realized it's, um, I can I can use any experience as the point of hurt, um, growth, love, or it can be neutral, and it's it's really um, up to me. So once I realized that I had that power, um, I decided I wanted to reclaim it as often as I could. Mm, love that. And I really appreciate you giving your parents, for example, that humanity. I think oftentimes it can be easy to villainize where our parents have gone wrong in the past, but pulling back to be able to acknowledge them as human beings and children at one point and doing the best that they can with what they know, essentially. Um, and, and that's so empowering to get us out of uh, a victimhood state. Is there anything that happened, you know, in your past that was particularly huge that you had to navigate? I, I feel like you've talked a little bit about religious trauma or anything like that. What's coming up around that? Yeah. So, um, with religious trauma, particularly, um, my dad's a third, fourth generation, you know, Baptist preacher, and that's a, a very strong, um, spiritual tradition in my family. And so along with that, though, comes a, a lot of rigid, um, you know, supposed to's and have to's and this is the right way. That's the wrong way. And so for me, growing up in a big family, I have seven siblings and I'm number seven of eight kids. So I saw a lot of, um, you know, harsh punishment and harsh judgment and harsh critique. Um, while also having my own versions of that. So as I was navigating, like just trying to, you know, not <laughs> end up in the crosshairs of religious judgment, I um, slowly began to betray myself. And so how that showed up for me is um, I, I was sharing with um, some of the beautiful souls who came to the retreat that we had in Oregon a couple of months ago that I was always asking myself as a kid, when is it my turn to speak? When is it my turn to speak? Because there was so much happening, so many big personalities and 
And um, it wasn't until, you know, somewhere as an adult in my mid twenties that I realized like, oh, I don't, I don't actually have to ask for permission, you know, but that was one of the ways that those traumas kind of showed up for me and really squelched a lot of my individual expression. Um, so, you know, navigating a lot of the things that I think we all will either resonate with or have extreme dissonance with about around, you know, Christianity or other spiritual beliefs. Um, for myself, when I got down to who I really was, um, it was, I think that spirituality is bigger than any one religion. And as I studied many other teachings and beliefs and modalities, I realized that it's, it's all one thing. And we all have so many, um, you know, ways that really resonate to us for various reasons. And I think it's just important that we find what is true for us, you know, um, and that's kind of the journey, you know, navigating what's what's true for me while also respecting what's true for another if we don't agree. Mm, absolutely. And I feel like what you're describing in your experience is probably what a lot of youngest siblings can relate to or anybody that's ever felt a, a sense of otherness and feeling like they have to wait and to take up space. Um, and that can show up in so many different ways. So what became like a turning point. If you can think back to it, was there a turning point where you were like, okay, I'm going to start to reclaim my power here and start to study some new modalities and start to get curious about the universe, et cetera. Can you remember a point where things started to change for you? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was fairly gradual, but I would say around, um, my mid twenties, you know, I, I'd been in that tradition for a long time, but my personal bubble had expanded. And so many of um, the things that I had believed at that point were, were just proven wrong for me. And as I began to allow myself to, to experience other things, I realized that so much of what I believed about the world was secondhand information. And what I mean by that is it's like, I don't, there's, there's two definitions for knowledge. And the first is essentially information, right? You read a book, you have the information about a certain area of the world, whatever the book's about. But the second definition is talking about familiarity with a certain experience, right? With facts associated with an experience. And I think so many of us get, um, have a certain fear around our, whether it's belief structures or traumatic events in our lives that we don't allow ourselves new experiences. And even if we're in new, new spaces, actually, you know, allowing our mind and awareness to be in a new space with things. So once I found meditation, I was 25. I remember the first time I meditated, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just intuitive. And I was like, okay, I went to YouTube, found, you know, some, meditation music and <laughs> I sat down in a corner of my room and I just had this extremely uh, lucid experience where I felt connected to everything but I also felt like I wasn't anything in particular and there was extreme love and grace and compassion in that space and I just remembered like kind of it was like an hour later, I came out of like this very powerful experience. I didn't know what was happening. It's like, okay, 
there's something here for me. <laughs> but I just had this extreme knowing that what's important about spirituality is, is really having the space to actually have firsthand knowledge, like creating a space within to go, okay, I had an experience with this individual that was harmful or hurtful. How can I continue to, to create each moment new, right? The, the beginner's mind. And I think that is the real gift. That's what really shifted things for me. Popping in for a moment to chat with you guys about my private one-on-one -on -one mentorship series. This is a two-month-long container with me where we meet on a weekly basis, and it's for the woman who is really ready to initiate big change in her life. If you've set the intention to make a shift and move forward in a big way in your life, but you don't really know how to bring that vision into focus, I understand that feeling. I've been there. I've felt that confusion, that anxiety, lack of direction, and I've learned how to alchemize that discomfort and to change my life completely completely, which is why I'm here to show you how to do it and give you the tools that helped me completely change my life so that it feels more like heaven on earth and less like this daily struggle. So if you have been feeling like you're struggling with negative self-talk and confidence, if you've been feeling stagnant in your personal evolution, if you need help navigating a major transition in your life, maybe you want to launch a soul-led business but don't know where to start, this is the container for you. This is where I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to get you to a new paradigm in two months. And changing our lives really means changing our understanding of self, which is why we're going to be doing deep subconscious work together. We're going to be instilling new habits and beliefs that support your new paradigm. And we're clearing out the old ones that don't support that highest self that you are aligning with and calling in. At the end of the day, you are the guru and we're just activating that intrinsic part of you. So if you feel like this is in alignment for you and this is really what you need, especially in this new year, just head over to HelenDenham.com. You will see where you can learn all about the mentorship and you can book a completely free non-committal power session with me for 30 minutes where we can get to know each other and decide if this is the right course of action for you. All right. Thank you so much for listening and back to the episode. Because when I'm when I can actually refresh, literally reboot or reset my awareness and detach and connect to impermanence, then there's there's less to be weighed down by. But I think that that takes a lot of um, intentional practice and um, you know continued um, humility on a certain level to to recognize like we don't know everything and never will we. Mm, such a potent way of describing knowledge. First of all, I just want to repeat that familiarity through experience or with experience. I've never heard it phrased like that. That really resonates. Love that. And then it sounds like what you're talking about too, is like releasing the attachment to the outcome. And like you were saying earlier, releasing um, the narrative and the story that has been running through your head and starting to rewrite that story. Um, that feels like a, a weight getting lifted off your shoulders in a way when you start to release that attachment to outcome. And it's amazing because I know you've had so much, you know, success with music and in the wellness and the spiritual world. So how did your spiritual practices or, you know, what would, what would have contributed to your success in both music and then eventually in the healing space as well? Like what comes to mind practice wise, or what did you bring in for kind of pillars of success there? Um, you know, to be very transparent, I wasn't um, 
necessarily chasing success as you know i think we kind of all generally understand it um, it was very much what i'm mentioning now it was surrender it was letting go of like these these close grips on this is what it should be right and so um for me i think a long time as a musician because that's what i've been most of my life at least as a vocation um it's like you look at this guitar player, this singer, or this songwriter, and you go, oh, this is what good music should sound like, right? Or that's what great playing or singing or whatever it may be. And so you start to model yourself after that, but it's, it's a thing where I realized at a certain point, okay, it's wonderful to learn through the lens of, this is what music sounds like through this artist or that artist or that creator. But um, once I started connecting to meditation, um, there's a, a book called Effortless Mastery. Um, it's by a jazz pianist named Kenny Warner. I think he teaches in Berkeley. He's, he's very well uh, accomplished, but I love that he combined mindfulness with music. And his, his general philosophy is essentially that as we create, everything should be as effortless as breathing. So everything else on this planet, right? Trees, the other animals, the mammals are all this being <laughs> what they are created to be we're the only ones like walking around like you know am i worthy am i good enough you know in one way or another like trying to gain uh some sense of value out of others the validation of others and so there's a a, a, a beautiful practice and uh one of the meditations says you know imagine you're at carnegie hall it's a packed house the most beautiful music ever is playing and you're not doing anything you're just breathing right and you're just enjoying it right there along with the crowd and you know the first time i did that meditation i was like is this guy all right <laughs> i don't know what he's i didn't know what he was trying to do. you know and uh three months into the practice i had a moment at a you know gig it's probably like 10 years ago now and I actually felt that feeling like I, I, I wasn't, I felt like everything was just doing its thing. I was just breathing. And I learned like you practice certain um, space to be in a state of flow and then trust what you know, trust what you've learned, trust what you practiced and allow it to flow through you unattached to the outcome, unattached without judgment, uh, without need for it to be quote unquote perfect because it already is right and from that space things just happened i mean i i connected to one of my favorite artists ever and um she found me but they were always connected to these moments where i was really in that space the state of flow so um you know, I, I really attribute it all to being in a state of flow of just trusting. And I am a firm believer in, um, you know, we attract um, on whatever frequency we're on. And so when I begin to love myself and approve of myself enough to not need change it or, you know, mold it to be like any others, um, then I found those who resonated with that. Mm. Absolutely. It's, it's like this feeling that you don't need to prove yourself to anybody. I have a history in, in music as well. And I just noticed the friends that really did well were the people it just like breathed 
breathed through them. It was like, they, it was like speaking, they were just flowing with music. And I felt like what had held me back with my own path and music was just trying to prove it or try to kind of tell a story. And then I realized, well, I don't think I'm, this is really my purpose because I'm not living and breathing it. I'm not in the flow state with music, but I can see who is it's a frequency, just like you said, and I can recognize who's carrying that frequency effortlessly. And then absolutely how that would magnetize to everybody else. Do you feel like I mean, this is just coming off the top of my head. Do you feel like this is a destiny for you and a calling that you were meant to incarnate to express through music? Or what do you think about destiny and and fate? Mm. It's, a, it's a very interesting topic. Destiny and fate are, um, you know, almost like your predestination, right, in a way. And I, I, I think in this moment, what feels true is that um, there, are, there are things that we're all born with, right? Like right, gifts, ways that we think, ways that we perceive. There's all different ways to quantify that, whether it's astrology or the Enneagram, or you can just take an IQ test or whatever you want, right? Um, I feel that just like, who are we naturally, right? We're all human beings, but we're all very unique as well. And I think the more and more we get in touch with that, there's a, a very clear, um, at least in my case, right? There's a very clear blueprint there. Um, and But it was me following my heart, me following my bliss in a, a very um, clear state. So in one sense, I feel like there is something very, um, faded about that right it's like it's it's just there like some people are just naturally very funny some people are naturally very eloquent some people are naturally very talented in one medium or another but in tandem with that is our experience and what we make of it and so i feel like it is i mean it, it really is a, a co-creation and it's like we i mean you're a musician right so we've seen we've seen it a million times the very talented musician but they had a deep hurt and it, and it really hurt them, right? Are they, they, they weren't able to figure out the marketing aspect or all of these other little things, reasons that we could um, prescribe as the issue, um, whether they were the issue is, is right, who, who's to say, but there is a, um, a certain thing that I've known about myself for a long time that in this season of my life, I would shift from music primarily into more of what I'm doing now. So I, I feel like it's, I feel like there's, there's a, a co-creation happening in every moment. And it's, you know, I think there is a, a blueprint there, but we still get to decide if we're going to, you know, build that or not. <laughs> totally. I can so deeply resonate with that as I'm sure all of us listening can. It's like, and I feel like purpose can um, exist in so many different channels. And I remember like looking back on my journals from years ago um, and asking myself, what's my purpose of creating music? And it was always to raise the vibration of humanity, to, to spread love more deeply. And so now doing healing work and having conversations like this, it all makes perfect sense that it, the channel would switch to this because this is where I can more deeply fulfill that purpose and bring that to life. So it would make sense that 
as your journey is reflecting as well, that it starts to become a little more malleable and shift and transition. But I love that you also work music into your teachings. Like when you're doing a live or something, you're playing guitar for us, or I just love that you've managed to keep that alive and and part of your breath, it seems like in a way and your, your natural expression. Um, which leads me into asking you too about how writing and poetry has come into your practice and how what you've learned about yourself through writing. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, great question. Um, you know, I started out as a writer primarily and didn't realize it. I think um, my dad was also a songwriter, and I. Then I got to college and I just started studying guitar. I was a jazz guitar major. And I was primarily, you know, just playing and trying to rip and, you know, very, very much in my ego. And then two years out of college, I injured my hand and I literally couldn't play. Like mm -hmm. I was practicing 10, 12 hours a day and I literally couldn't play some of the simplest things. Very challenging period. But it, it broke a lot of my ego off of me. And over time, I, I began to reconnect with the purity of what, what drew me to music, which was simple chords, great song, great storytelling. And so I think when, during that period, when I reconnected to songwriting, it was really about just shedding the ego and connecting to well, what is the story? What is the, the driving factor that you know, initiated um, this whole kind of butterfly effect, right? And for me, that practice of storytelling, um, I think it, I always remember this, um, there was a comedian who visited my small town one time and he had dinner with us and he was telling, he was telling us, you know, being a comedian is, is really just storytelling. And it's most of the time, you know, you or I will probably try to tell a joke and then no one will laugh. Right. And, and then and then we'll say, oh, well, you had to be there, right? And so he said, no, you didn't take them there, right? And so if you can deliver a story in a way that takes someone there, that puts them in your emotion, that puts them in your field of experience. Um, and so for me, great storytelling, poetry, and really, you know, what I do now is about conveying a story in a way that takes them to your experience. Um, and in tandem with, in that period, I looked at all of my favorite songwriters and what they all had in common were that they were super authentic and vulnerable and open, mm -hmm. you know, unafraid, very courageous and bold in the way that they delivered their stories. And so those are the things that I practiced, you know, it was how to take people there into my field how to be vulnerable, authentic, and bold, and how to make sure I'm, I'm just honoring the way the story come through, comes through me. Mm -hmm. It's really wonderful to see as a man, like really embracing that vulnerability and acknowledging how powerful it is to change, which is, you know, I love Brene Brown and the power of vulnerability. And I think it's something that the masculine is still peeling back, especially in this kind of decade to just get more comfortable being vulnerable as a, as a form of strength. So yeah. Is there anything that's helped you to understand vulnerability as strength even more? And what might you say to kind of a man that's afraid to step into his feelings a little bit more perhaps? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think, 
in my practice, like diving into these questions and the stories. Um, I think one of my favorite practices is just simply listening, like really listening, being present, letting go of any other thought, which is a skill that you have to practice. And in that practice, I would listen to four sisters and <laughs> I would listen to their conversations or frustrations with the men that they were seeing or um, other interactions with men. And, and I noticed between, you know, their, the way they would talk about men and the way me and my brothers and other men would talk about men, there was this huge gap, right? And they're saying that, you know, men uh, don't feel, they don't, they're not connected to their emotions and we're over here not talking about them at all, like <laughs> pretending that we're all, we're manly, like we're bricks, we're stone. And, you know, carrying like the projected narrative by men who frankly have been um, taught that it's not okay to show emotion or to be vulnerable, right? Or to express the softer sides of yourself or you'd be perceived as weak, that that's weakness. And, and seeing that, you know, our counterparts are really looking to connect in a real way because that comes more naturally to, to women or it's more um, celebrated, right? It's more encouraged, encouraged. As I looked and kind of like waited, like really waited for myself, I'm like, I've always been an empath, super sensitive soul. And I've gone through seasons where I've had my walls up trying to be a man. And I realized it's like, we're all human. <laughs> and that, and that, and that softness is our strength. It's our tender strength. It, it connects us to, to, the, to mother earth, to nature, the plant that's growing through the concrete and the sidewalk, you know? Um, and so for me, how that showed up, it's like the more I got connected to the, my hard places and began to soften them, the more joy I felt, the more happiness I felt, the more genuine my relationships, the more genuine my interactions, the more I was able to actually have sincere um, and deep relationships with everyone in my life, even if they you know, were still choosing to be hard. Like I, I began to see people more clearly. Um, so my you know, advice to men is, is, you know, for me, the question was always, is it true? It's mm. like, if you're working that hard to prove that you're a man, then something's off, right? You know, you, you're, you're always a man, right? You were born, you know, well, whatever gender identity you have, like you are that, right? Whatever one resonates. And there's no, nothing that can take that away from you. And I think it's a very silly idea that, um, you know, something as simple as expressing hurt, fear, um, or just extreme joy that moves you to tears could make you anything lesser than. Um, so I, I, you know, asked them to, to challenge it. Um, and in tandem with that, you know, I think that the thing that I've noticed with, um, my female friends are, you know, my girlfriend is, is like, oh, do you know what it actually means to have a sensitive man? It's not just we're going to cry and, and, you know, watch rom uh, romantic comedies or, um, but now it's like learning to hold a space for the, the vulnerable side of the masculine energy. And, and that's like a, a whole other thing. Um, that's, that's a discussion that that's something that my partner and I are learning together, like what that really means. Cause I think yeah. we've all been socialized on what a man should look like. Right. 
Um, and so that's, that's a very interesting um, topic that I think, well, I'm glad that it's shifting and now it's a bit more mainstream. Yeah, no, it's very powerful. I love what you're saying about this because so what I'm really picking up on is it's a form of honesty and it's not just about, you know, crying and what was me or whatever. It's just honesty. It's clarity and it, it's holistic. It's not just sadness and you're crying. It's like, no, no. It's like the ability to have a more clear and forthright relationship with anybody in your life, just saying, this is what I'm, and that really exudes such confidence to me, which is why if we're really going to activate masculine or feminine energy, it's just that confidence comes out with an honesty of, of how we're really feeling. And that that's very magnetic. Um, I wanted to ask you too, more about what your meditation practice really looks like. Does it look like stillness? Are you visualizing? Like, what are you doing when you're meditating? or not doing. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much a, uh, a, a flow kind of person. So, um, although I am aware, you know, that there's very like disciplined traditions, um, and, and maybe this comes out of, um, you know, a, a certain amount of, um, you know, angst towards having so much discipline in my upbringing. Um, but for me, what works well, is every day is different. So when I am doing my rise framework and releasing, um, one of the questions I ask my heart is, what do I need today? And when I ask that, I hold space for my heart to um, offer some guidance. And sometimes for me, it's it's very like loud. It's what, that's my word for when my intuition is like yelling at me, you know, um, it's very loud journaling is the approach or maybe it's to to be to be still or maybe lie down or maybe today i need to go for a long hike through the woods and do a walking meditation or all three um <laughs> so my practice i love fluid frameworks because that's that's kind of the glue the rise framework but um it it really it it varies it varies um quite a bit you know um just this morning, I'll, I'll have a strong release lying down, just letting go of all the thoughts in my head or the feelings and then checking in and then just going for a walk through the woods a bit and having some some time, some connection with my inner inner space. Um, other times it's like just being in the awareness um, that I'm here and just being present, you know, so I yeah, that's, that's kind of my approach to <laughs> um, mindfulness at this point. But yeah, no, no two days are exactly alike. Yeah, I really like that you call it a fluid framework as well, because I think so many of my clients come in and they know that I ask people the question, like, what do you, how do you, you know, do your rising routine? And it creates some pressure on people. And I'm like, let's forget about the timing of it all or the checklist. Like, these are just tools in your tool belt that you can pick up from like, what's going to feel the best today. And just as you said, like every day is going to look a little different depending on what you need, your nervous system needs, your mind, body, spirit needs. So I love that. But I can also tell that like, you've got some discipline built into your framework to some degree, right? Like how, I mean, playing, going to a school like that and studying so hard and, and, and just getting that good at guitar, like how did you build up your discipline to be, to sit down, put your head down and focus? Like, how do you maintain mm. discipline when you're really working on achieving something, I guess? Mm. 
You know, it's a great question. And I don't, it's exciting for me, to mm. be honest. It doesn't feel, you know, I know what we mean when we say discipline, but for me, I'm, I'm, I'm literally following my joy. Like I loved playing guitar. I'd sit down and practice and work on a thing because I really wanted to learn it. And I look up and it's six hours later, mm. you know, it wasn't like arduous. It wasn't hard. It was, um, and for me, my meditation practice or this, this framework is really about following my bliss because I know when I'm in my practice, when I have more clarity and uh, a greater sense of, over my emotional regulation abilities, I'm, I'm happier. And what I discovered is like, you know, when I'd be in stories of blame or shame or judgment, I was still miserable, even if I'm, you know, blaming that person, you know, for whatever they did or didn't do. And it might be very valid. I was just miserable and I wanted to be happy. And I realized that the only thing that was actually connecting me to sincere happiness and fulfillment was having a, a practice, you know, so whether that all the ways that it shows up for me, um, it's, to me, I don't know, that was just kind of my linear thinking around it. It doesn't feel like, oh, it's so hard to do this. Oh, it's so, you know, um, I'm dreading this thing or that thing. It's like, I feel good. <laughs> or if I'm not feeling good, I know what's going to make me feel good. And I, I think what flipped a switch for me, though, with that is, um, I think for part of the journey is being um, looking for coping mechanisms. Right. And I think that's great because we all need that at times when we don't have the tools or the skills developed to work through things. But at a certain point, I realized that what was supporting the coping process was a belief that I just had to manage my life or my turmoil instead of transform it. And so when I realized that I had the capacity to actually transform things, that actually brought me into hope. And with that hope was even a certain measure of joy in the process of learning and diving into it and figuring out, well, what's going to work for me today? It wasn't that, let's try this. What else? You know, like checking in. And to me, that's, that's exciting. Um, but again, kind of what we were sharing earlier about being in a state of actually trying new things unattached to those old stories. That's the really tricky headspace. So that's, that is where the discipline steps in. But for me, um, I, I haven't, it doesn't feel like discipline. Does that make mm. sense? <laughs> yes. I love how you frame it as like, it's bliss. It's not arduous for you. And like coming back to your point about being in flow state and also, yeah. And then I think it's like, courage to step out of the comfort zone a little bit, because I'm sure getting on a stage, perhaps for the first time in front of a big audience might be scary. Maybe it wasn't for you, but I know that, that that's a scary feeling. So like getting ourselves a little bit out of the bubble to be like, okay, we can do this uh, to build confidence. But yeah. And that's why I always ask the women I work with, you know, what does your heaven on earth look like? Because um, if you're coming in sad and depleted, it's not going to work until we get you into your bliss state. And then you start to, you know, bring that action in. So I appreciate that you just frame it like that because, and make it so real and attainable. It's not some fairy tale, I think, which I just want to encourage people to understand. It's like this, it's not some crazy reality to actually live a happy life. I know it might yeah. seem like that, but you're, you and I are both examples of having that become a reality. Absolutely. Beautiful. Totally. Well, Joel, thank you so much for being here. If people want to connect with you, if they want to work with you, tell us what's going on in your world and how we can get to know you more deeply. 
Oh, sure. Um, well, thank you. Um, if you want to connect to anything that I'm creating or sharing, just go to soulcalledjoel.com. There's links to everything. Beautiful. Perfect. Easy. Nailed it. Will do. Thank you so much again for being here. What a pleasure to just hang out with you for a little while. Appreciate your time. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and joining us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. As always, if you enjoyed and you learned something from this episode, please do send it along to a friend who might benefit from it. And uh, you can even leave a review if you feel called. I'd be so grateful. Um, and then everything we discussed is linked in the description below. So check that out for more details. A couple more notes on my end. I'm running full moon circles every month on the evening of the full moon. So if you are looking for sisterhood, community, just a way to deepen your experience of life, this is a great way to just relax and come together. So links in the description below, of course. And then everything else is on HelenDenham.com. I am putting up new blog posts quite frequently. I send out newsletters a few times a week with oracle cards and energy checks and offerings and um, I love that way of connecting with you guys so yeah just head over to helendenim.com all the juice is there <laughs> all right guys thank you so much for being here I love you so much I'm so grateful for you it's an honor to to touch base with you like this every week so enjoy the rest of your day your evening your week wherever you are and I will talk to you on the next one bye for now